This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 6, Episode 7. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. And today is Wednesday, April 27th, 2022, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman. And we're joined today by Mr. Looking Fresh, Matthew Marister. Greetings, sir. Greetings. Matthew and I today are going to go back in time. We're going to go back six plus years to April 6th, 2016, when uh, Jacob and I did a our eighth episode of the podcast called Our Marksmanship Skills Overrated. Uh, we're going to uh, revisit that topic. I think it's a, a worthwhile one to do so. And uh, we're going to provide, I think, some some clarifications on... Uh, things that Jacob and I discussed in that episode, and also maybe even some some minor corrections, um, as I think, at least for, certainly is the case with myself, uh, attitudes and experience and understanding and knowledge and so forth has has changed, as it should over time. Hopefully, we're all improving, getting smarter, wiser, stronger, faster, wiser, um, you know, as we move forward in time through the years. Uh, that should be, I think, well, at least one of the goals. So, because otherwise, if we're, uh, I don't believe in, in stagnation. I think we're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. So anyway, uh, some things I think have been learned over the last six years. And Matthew and I are here to share our perspectives on the topic. Again, our marksmanship skills overrated. And of course, Matthew wasn't part of that eighth episode all those years ago. <clears throat> but um, so it'll be good to have his, uh, his input on this subject too. So. But first, today's episode is sponsored, brought to you by Guardian Nation. Guardian Nation is, well, that's the place you need to be, folks. If you are one of the fine, outstanding people out there that uh, I believe that you are, you want to be part of the nation where fellow guardians, as we have termed them, or those that are serious and are trained and are educated, or at least are seeking those things and continually just seeking those things, uh, to uh, be, you know, law-abiding, uh, prepared and ready, self-defense-minded folk. We hope that you'll consider joining Guardian Nation. Many benefits uh, as part of membership. In fact, one of those was just realized last night for many of you that were able to participate with us live. Once a month, we do a, we call it GN Live or Guardian Nation Live. We bring on a industry professional of some kind to share their wealth of knowledge and experience with us with our members okay those broadcasts are only available to guardian nation members unlike these podcasts that are open to everybody and many of those guests on our gn lives are also guests on the podcasts and vice versa uh, but uh, sometimes we go into things in a, on a deeper level uh, on that more private i guess uh gn live event so it's a fun time we had a great time last night with aj zito of practical performance uh, AJ is a well-regarded instructor, He's very knowledgeable, very skilled. He's also a high-level competitive shooter, but he also understands the tactical side as a as as someone that has that was in the military, but also did executive protection and contract work after he got out of the military. And he's also a very very good, like highly regarded gunsmith, particularly in the realm of 1911 and 2011 style pistols. So maybe that's uh, some 
info there that might pique your interest and make you want to catch the replay of that. All GN members uh, have access to our entire library. It represents like 80 hours-ish of content with all of our past guests as well. So check it out, guardiannation.com. And uh, if you want to take advantage of a, I think it's still available. We mention it from time to time, but there is a 14-day free trial. So you can do that to take advantage of that. Podcast listeners go to concealedcarry.com forward slash 14-day or 1-4-D-A-Y. Guardian Nation members also save big. They get the biggest available discount off of the 2022 Guardian Conference in Oklahoma City in September later this year. Uh, tickets are selling at a pretty good clip, folks. Uh, the, you know, There's no promise as to when or if that event will or will not sell out. I'd say right now it's looking pretty good in terms of ticket sales. So it's possible you log in at some point or, or go to the website and find that uh, tickets are gone. So I wouldn't delay if you can help it. Uh, this is a three-day training event with some of the world's best instructors in their respective fields. Three days of awesome training for an incredibly reasonable price. Uh, almost everything included as far as like the experience is concerned. I mean, you're going to get awesome training. There's going to be uh, a basic continental breakfast and coffee and, and juice and milk and things that are served each morning of the of each of the three days of the event. There'll be lunches that are provided to you, brought right to you at the range there. Uh, it's a great time of uh, filled with association with like-minded folks and education, training, and knowledge and enlightenment. So we hope you'll join us there September 16th to the 18th, 2022 in Oklahoma City. In fact, at the Oklahoma City Gun Club, which is the um, the, the north side, slightly north, northeast side of Oklahoma City, within reasonable distance of the Oklahoma City Airport, uh, very close to other amenities and hotels and things. And we're going to have a great time. We'll have, again, like last year, a special low fire block training block. Actually, I think we'll still have two of those blocks. Uh, those will be on a limited basis only. If Not many folks get the opportunity to train in low light conditions with their guns. So I mentioned that as a just a little teaser. Uh, it might be something you want to take advantage of. So hope to see you there. Again, the 2022 Guardian Conference. You can go and learn more and get signed up at guardianconference.com. Let's get into our topic. So as was mentioned, Matthew, uh, Jacob and I, about six years ago, did this episode, Are Marksmanship Skills Overrated? Uh, and I think that, you know, I went back and, and re-listened to that episode, um, and, and I, I think it's a pretty good discussion, actually, although I think that there's some things now with uh, six years of of pretty dedicated training and learning and studying that, that I've done. And I know Jacob's done as well. Um, you know, you just learn and you grow and you understand things better. Uh, uh, you know, again, that's, that's how it should be. We should be moving forward and not backward. Uh, I don't think we got anything like terribly, terribly wrong in that episode. Um, but there were some things I think that were said that, uh, I think is important for us to at least discuss and rehash out today, provide our, our current perspectives on the subject. And of course, get your perspective since you weren't part of that episode. So I kind of wanted to throw it at you first and just, uh, I don't know whether you were able to listen to the whole episode or not in preparation for this, but I know you caught some of it. And uh, uh, based on, you know, your understanding of what we discussed all those years ago, uh, kind of what is your, um, you know, your, your initial take on it, if you will. 
Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, let, let me start out by saying, you know, obviously I wasn't part of that conversation, but you know, it, in, in my life. And I, th- I think anybody who's listening, if they're being honest, like things change, you, you know, your opinion on things should, there are, there are absolute truths, right? Like there are things that shouldn't change that, you know, th- they are, they are what they are, but in, in other things, um, we should constantly be challenging our, our, uh, stances on things. And if they stay the same, great. If we take a new information and, and it challenges those things and it makes us look at it a different way and we change those opinions, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, like, um, you were wrong or that, you know, um, that, you know, uh, that somehow your whole foundation of, let's say it's a marksmanship skill or something that everything is, is crumbled, right? Like we can, we can be honest and say, Hey, maybe my, my, my mind has changed on this aspect, uh, in in this way. Um, and so, I, I'm not going to assume to speak for Jacob and say, oh, he didn't mean this or he should change that or you, you know, you guys can speak for yourselves. Um, when I heard, um, you know, I did listen to some of it and um, I think that and I'll just kind of throw this big kind of umbrella topic um, and then you can kind of start talking more specifically about what was said and what um, what you think needs clarification or changes. But I think that there's a concept that um, in self-defense shooting, right? Like accuracy isn't really important um, because accuracy is relative and that you can't really shoot fast and accurate. So therefore, because we can kind of um, get effective hits in a, in a larger area than what we would say a 10 ring would be for, you know, accuracy sake um, that we don't need to be accurate. We just need to be fast and somewhat accurate. And the two are totally opposite spectrums. They can't exist together and therefore accuracy in the sake of defensive shooting or the skills necessary to be accurate aren't really important. And I think that that isn't quite accurate. Uh, ah, <laughs> the mute button was being delayed. <laughs> I hit it, but I didn't think it did, you know, and then it, I hit it again just as it went off and yeah. Uh, sorry, put myself on mute because uh, <clears throat> I do have a, a cold, uh, it, it would seem. So I'm kind <clears> of <throat> doing this behind the scenes a lot of time while you're speaking. So back to that episode. Uh, yeah, six years ago. Uh, I, I, I thought I'd just start out with, um, well, here's kind of where that topic started off at was with um Jacob asking me the question, posing me the question of which would you, which do you think is more important to be able to do? Um, place, you know, your rounds within a three to five inch area on a target or be able to respond to a threat within uh, 1.5 seconds or less. And uh, which, I mean, this is kind of an age old question uh, that uh, anybody particularly of a, tactical variety you know has struggled with answering a little bit and uh you know it's, it's a great question to ask as far as 
you know, if you want to inspire a discussion or even a debate, like just go drop a question like that in a Facebook group online or on Reddit or something. And, you know, everybody will go, go nuts over it. Um, and so it, now I, I will say that I think the way Jacob asked the question was probably not, and this is no offense against him. I mean, it's a good question, but I think there more, more info is required. Uh, and we touch on it there too, and, and even address that fact. And, and part of that was, well, when you say, you know, place, be able to place all my shots in the three to five inch area or whatever, uh, at what distance? Like that naturally becomes the next thing I want to know. And uh, so let's just work with practical defensive type distances or practical pistol shooting distances. And even that's up for debate. And even we discussed that concept in the episode later on too, uh, as far as like what we think or what some of the data that's out there, which is skewed data. And we explain why that is. And I mean, I'll touch that on that here a little bit later too, just to refresh our, our memories. <clears throat> but, um, uh, you know, let, let's just assume, you know, I'll make it real simple. Let, let's just say five yards. Okay. Five yards is a good, good distance. I mean, it's not very far, 15 feet, but five, five yards. I mean, that's a common distance that uh, we shoot even in competitive shooting, although we shoot further than that too. And, by, and by, when I say competitive shooting, know that most of the time I'm thinking in the context of USPSA style shooting, uh, not just like, you know, NRA bullseye, bullseye or PPC or even not so much IDPA, although IDPA is more similar to USPSA than some of those other things. <clears throat> but um, five yards, it's good. It's a, it's a common distance. You know, I just shot a match this last weekend and we had plenty of targets that were about five yards, some, some less, and of course, quite a few more that were further out. Um, five yards, 15 feet, also a pretty good distance in the defensive context, I would say. I mean, my living room is a little bit more than 15 feet across, at least one of the dimensions. So, um, you know, like I could, in theory, have a defensive shot across the length of my living room. It might be, you know, 15 feet away or five yards, right? So, so this is a, a very simple place to start. So let's just say the question is, <clears throat> what's more important? Placing all, let's just say, uh, let's say five shots. This starts sounding like very much like a, a uh, five by five drill as created by uh, Gila Hayes, a, a known, well-known female instructor. Um, also Claude Werner and uh, Greg Alfreds uh, have spoken about the, uh, the, the five by five drill. Uh, and we've, we've discussed that a little bit in the past too. So let's, let's just say that the, the shooting problem is five yards, five shots, and keeping everything within five inches. So a five inch diameter target. And that's exactly what that five by five uh, uh, drill is. Um, please note that there is a drill also known by, as five by five drill, but it's known as the Wilson five by five drill, which is a uh, much different uh, uh, drill. Anyway, five inches, five shots, five yards. Okay. Which is better to be able to do? Take all the time you need and just ensure that you have the marksmanship skills to put all five rounds in that five inch circle or be able to, let's just say put one round in that five inch circle in 1.5 seconds or less. So I'm going to pose you the question since it was posed to me in, in episode eight, <laughs> <clears throat> which do you think is more important? 
Yeah, I see. And I think that the problem with the question is that it only gives you two and it only gives you two options to answer, right? You have to choose shoot slow and accurate or shoot fast and inaccurate or, you know, and, um, and I think that there's a C, I think there's a third answer. And that is, um, you can do both. I mean, you absolutely can. Now, you're limited, right? Like your skills are going to limit how fast and accurate you can shoot, but you shouldn't have to sacrifice accuracy to the point where you can't get hits on a five inch target um, at five yards. Does that mean, I mean, clearly, you know, if you take the first step and you just run it, you're going to have limitations on what you can do, but those aren't, your the, the, those aren't the limitations that that will that that you you can overcome those limitations through practice and you can probably go from either one answer or the other to now I can shoot quickly and accurately. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's a cop out answer, but like I think no, that's no, the so only I, legitimate. I, let me let me just let you know. I, I appreciate that. Like that's perfectly acceptable how you just responded because I think you're spot on. Uh, it. it is um, those are not necessarily mutually exclusive things. Mm-hmm. And that's important to recognize. And it's also important to recognize that uh, there's sort of this, there's this dichotomy, this uh, contradiction of sorts, because we can make the case really simply that, um, well, l- let's just assume that maybe I can get a shot off in a second and a half, but, that's just one shot. And even that one, when placed in the right location might not be enough to, you know, to stop the threat or let's say I get that one shot off and it kind of, you know, it misses or it doesn't hit an ideal location. Um, the point being that if my, if my marksmanship isn't good, it doesn't matter how fast I am. If I don't hit the target or hit it enough or hit it effectively enough, uh, then speed doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Same time, flip side of that is, well, I could have really awesome so-called marksmanship skills and be able to stack five rounds in a little circle in a you know little you know thumb-sized group at five yards all day long if I have all the time in the world, but put some time pressure on it. And if I can't do it quicker than my adversary, then that, that doesn't matter either. Like all the marksmanship in the world is not going to save me because I'm too slow. Uh, there's some really great videos, by the way, from Rob Latham, where he even like discusses this. He references it. I think I, I think I've heard him reference this very conundrum um, a couple of times on on, on uh, some some YouTube videos and podcasts I've, I've seen him out there on. And uh, uh, he basically, I mean, that's 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 basically the sum of it is I have to be fast enough and accurate enough for whatever problem is presented to me. Mm-hmm. And that that is going to be a little bit different for each circumstance in each situation. And I got to have both. Okay. Just enough accuracy, get the job done, and just within enough time or as quickly as I can to to beat the other opponent, to beat the other side. Uh, some people say there's not a shot timer in a gunfight. Mm, there is a shot timer. It's just not in a little plastic box. Uh, there, there is a, there's a time, uh, stamped on every one of our calling cards, uh, assuming we are ever in a gunfight that, you know, we just don't know what it is even, 
right? So the problem is always one that's of the, you know, where time is of the essence. It's always solve it as soon as possible, but it's so easy to get caught up in solving it as fast as possible that it's easy to overlook the other side of the coin, which is I got to put rounds and probably multiple rounds in a relatively small target area. Connor asks a question on Facebook, and and yeah, we, we could end up getting derailed a little bit on this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on this real, real quick right now, Connor. And he says not to derail, but where would uh, and on the move fall into the importance scale on speed and accuracy? Well, it it it, it doesn't. It's not like it's it's its own. Um, how do I explain this? Uh, you know, doing things on the move or with a moving target or both, just makes both of those parts more difficult, right? It makes the accuracy piece more difficult when we're on the move or shooting something that is moving, right? So that, so, so adding movement to the equation either enhances or makes, you know, increases the difficulty of those other two factors, especially on the accuracy side. I guess, um, I can still do things quickly a lot of times, even while on the move, but even that may be hampered somewhat, but the bigger issue is most likely going to, that's going to be affected is more the accuracy side of the equation, the marksmanship side. So um, yes, absolutely. I mean, but let's just keep it simple in terms of the context of today. And let's just assume because again, yes, movement is relevant, is relevant. We've acknowledged this before. It's something that comes up in, most every gunfight because uh, typically targets don't like to stay still for very long when bullets are flying their way. Um, but let's just, let's talk very simply in, in the course of our discussion today. And just, we're just talking about solving the conundrum of, do I try to get a round off as quick as possible? Or do I try to, you know, more or less ignore the clock and stack five rounds in a five inch circle at five yards. Now, obviously we just, acknowledge that it, it, it is both it is both um and i'll say this much because i think this uh tends to lead us into the at least another area of the discussion and what that is is one thing that and i think this needs to be discussed or clarified or maybe corrected. I'd say more of a clarification uh, was something that Jacob and I talked in that episode and he particularly brought it up. He was really a big advocate of this in that episode um, because it, that episode was inspired by a conversation, uh, really a debate that he and I had had. And he was talking about, well, my defensive encounter is probably going to be at three to five yards. And I just, I'll just point shoot that. Like I don't need to aim kind of th- sort of thing. I just, I'll just point and shoot. And I'm pretty good at that, at that distance. So um, the accuracy side of this equation is in large part determined by how well we can aim the gun. So there's this idea that there won't be time to aim our shots. And so we need to maybe rely on such things like point shooting. So I want to explore that a little bit right now. What's your take on that? Yeah, in I think in I, I liked how you you kind of uh, parsed out the movement piece because I think we can also do the same thing when we're looking at w- whenever we start looking at a defensive encounter and we start saying, 
okay, well, I'm watching all these videos and they're these criminals, right? And they're not very highly trained and they just put, pick up the gun and they, and, and they end up shooting people and they're not very trained and they're not well-trained. And, and so therefore, you know, um, I don't really need to be trained in order to hit people, right? Like I, I can just kind of point shoot this and I don't even need any training really. Um, and I think that like, if we start, if we go down the road of like our skills only need to, to um, like when we look at something and the outcome is something favorable and they don't have training, then we're like, well, I don't need training. But then there's equal number of videos that we could watch where um, people are trained and they miss. Right. And so it's saying maybe I do really need to be, I need to have higher level of training because these people had training and they still missed. So it's, you know, when we start watching videos, sometimes I think we can start getting a confirmation bias on the types of videos we watch that confirm or affirm our belief that, you know, this is going to happen in three seconds at three yards and I'm going to fire three shots. And, and you know what I mean? Like those types of things where we don't look at it and say, what are the skill sets that I need in a vast, like, to cover a wide array of potential incidents, whether it's three yards or 15 yards or five yards, whether I need to fire, you know, four shots or one shot, like you may not, the, 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 the problem of how many shots you can, how quickly you can shoot may not even be an issue if the first round is effective. Right. And then you've solved the problem right there. It is the first shot I need to get as quickly as possible. And I, I don't need to worry about how many shots can I get in five seconds or a second and a half. Right. So each, each scenario is going to be different, but I think we look at it as a total, you know, what are the, what are the, the what's the range of possible scenarios and how can I get my skill set to be able to perform at an acceptable level in a wide, wide range. And, and, and that means I need to be able to shoot accurately and fast and still take in information and, and, and all these things. And so that's why the marksmanship skills are important because that's where the automatization occurs to free up that mind. So you can solve the problem. If that makes sense. I mean, I, yeah. I don't want to go off in the weeds, but I, I, I think that, you know, we, we have to look at the problem as not just a singular, like, well, in this scenario, this is what was, what it took. And in that scenario, it's, it, this is what it took. Like, we don't know the scenario we're going to get handed to. Yeah. Yep. So <clears throat> here's how I want to kind of uh, answer or address that is with respect to, to aiming the gun. All right. Cause when someone often refer to point shooting, because oh, I'm only I'm at a distance where you know I can just point and shoot it, so I don't need to aim. That's usually what they end up. You know, it's a it's a phrase that that ends up coming along with that, which is I don't even need to aim. Okay, but that's not quite true. Um, we still need to aim, and even point shooting is a form of aiming. But let me talk a little bit real quick about point shooting, and we've talked about it before, and I've even addressed it before and, and def- defined it as well. Um, I don't remember for sure all the different episodes, but uh, <clears throat> what is point shooting? Let, let's let's talk about what point shooting is. Point shooting, as I define it, 
And I've shared this definition with a number of other trusted folks in the industry. And they're like, oh, that's actually a really solid way of explaining it. Because even when people say point shooting, there's a lot of different personal definitions of what that actually really means. Because I've heard guys say, oh, I point shoot at such and such you know, yardage or on such and such targets. And then when I ask them further, you know, follow-up questions, it really comes out that, you know, that they're, they're doing a form of aiming um, the gun, you know, they, and even are referencing some kind of aiming reference point. Um, but, you know, but they still consider that to be point shooting and I do not. So let me explain what to me point shooting is and what it is not point shooting to me is anytime we fire the gun, without some kind of visual confirmation of the sight picture. Okay. So uh, uh, shoot the gun without some kind of visual confirmation of where the gun is aligned at the time that it's fired. I exclude from that some kind of pectoral index type shooting. Okay. Where we, which is primarily only used in arm's length type distances, um, to me, that's that's its own thing. Okay, but point shooting is anytime we see it's not anytime we aim and don't use the sights. Although that's not too far off from what I'm saying, but that's not clear clear enough. It's anytime we shoot but aren't visually confirming in some way an aimed reference point between the gun and the target. So what what does that look like? What does that really mean? Well. For instance, obviously, if I if I if I'm let's just say I'm shooting a, a 15 yard target, well, at 15 yards, even with my skill level, and and frankly, for just about anybody's skill level, you're going to need to use. If we're just assuming iron sights, we're going to need to see a front sight, pretty well centered in a rear notch, and centered over top of the target zone. Okay. Um. But at, let's say, three yards or even five yards, for me especially, <clears throat> do I need to see a perfectly centered, aligned, very crisp in my vision, front sight, rear sight relationship on target in my sight picture to aim a shot at, say, three yards or maybe even five? No, I don't. In fact, if I do see that good of a sight picture at that distance, and this is assuming you know, normal, like human sized targets. Okay. At three to five yards, if I'm seeing front sight centered, equal height, equal light in rear sight on target at five yards, I'm using too much sight confirmation. In other words, I'm costing myself time because I'm waiting till the sight picture is too perfect before I send the shot. Okay. So at five yards, can I? be a little bit more gross as opposed to fine in my sight picture? Absolutely. Now, when you practice a little bit and you develop, a, we'll call it an index, and that what that means is your index of the gun is that you, every time you grab the gun, and here's just my, this is just a, a, a lower part of a 320. Every time I grab the gun, I grab it the same way. I, I build my grip the same way. And so the gun generally points pretty consistently in the same orientation relative to my body and relative to where I'm looking, that's my index. Okay. <clears throat> if I haven't developed enough skill to, to where 
I, every time I grip the gun, it's a little bit different or something changes, that's not going to permit a very predictable index. That's going to complicate things. But as long as I have a reasonably solid index and the gun points pretty consistently for me, then all I really need to do at five and three yards and whatever distances, in fact, I can get away with it pretty good at seven yards too, is see the silhouette of my gun, the slide of the gun in particular, so superimposed on the target. At five yards, my slide is relatively small compared to the target size. So that slide, even if the gun's kind of wobbling around, kind of like kind of like this, right? But if it never strays outside of what I consider to be an acceptable target zone, then that's all I need. So Sight pictures can can vary, and they can range from very fine, where we're talking that very, very, very refined front sight, rear sight, equal height, equal light relationship, maybe even so far as a hard front sight focus for some of you, although I've demonstrated, and, and I would say now, I don't rely on a hard front sight focus hardly ever anymore. I actually just shot 50-yard targets recently with a target focus, seeing my front and rear sight fuzzy and blurry as I did it and got six out of seven hits on a plate rack. Um, but I'm, you know, some of you that refined sight picture might be a hard front sight focus centered equally within the rear sight, right? That's fine for the targets that require it, but on the targets that don't, we're simply costing ourselves time. So if I just point at a target but I visually reference, or at least am aware of the silhouette of my gun uh, centered on that target and within the acceptable target area, that's all I need. And so I frequently talk and discuss in my classes I teach about the idea, this concept of, with respect to sight picture, we, as, as it relates to a particular shot, we give it just enough respect to, to make the shot nothing more nothing less. If I don't, if I give it less, it probably means I miss the shot. If I give it more, it's simply costing me time and I'm less efficient. So for every shot, we want to give just enough sight picture respect, if you will, or just enough sight confirmation to guarantee the hit we're trying to make. And that varies all the way from up close to infinite. And beyond. And so, but that's a, a little bit more difficult of a thing for a lot of shooters to discover and understand what they need to see to get a particular shot because there is some experimentation involved. I had to experiment and say, hey, and, and for me, like with respect to so called point shooting, as typical people would define it, uh, and by that I mean re- using a more of a gross sight picture or just seeing a silhouette of my gun on target. I started at three yards. All right, draw. Poo. As soon as I see the gun on the target, send shot. Oh, yeah, that's an A zone. Easy. All day long. Push it back to five. Do the same thing. Boom. Still easily within A zone. Just relying on a silhouette type sight picture of the gun. Let's try seven. Okay, still worked, although we're starting to stray towards the edges of my acceptable target zone. Let's try it at 10. Okay, we're outside of the acceptable target area now. So I need to see a little more site confirmation, a little more alignment confirmation at 10 yards. What, well, what is that? Do I need to see perfectly aligned? No. If I see my front sight somewhere in the rear notch, 
Yes, good enough for me. So at some point I start transitioning to, I don't have to see perfect site alignment, but I need to see something somewhere in there and that's enough. Boom, A zones all day long. Cool, push it back to 12. Still works, push back to 15. Okay, starting to be a little more challenging. Do I have to see it perfectly aligned at 15? Not quite, but close. 18, a little more refinement. 20, a little more refinement. 25, I got to see things pretty well equally lined up. See what I'm getting at? So you can experience, because everybody's skill level is going to be a little bit different. Um, When you first start with something like this, you might only get to five yards and you're like, ooh, okay, I probably can't get away with a silhouette sight picture at anything beyond five. Or maybe your answer is four or whatever it is. And so you got to experiment with that and discover for yourself what you need to see to accomplish a particular sight or shot. Now, back to the definition of point shooting. If you are using some kind of visual reference of gun to target, then that is a form of aiming. Mm -hmm. That is, in my book, not point shooting. However, if you are disrespecting the sight picture to a point that you are not hitting the shot you need to make, then we're, we're crossing over into that point shooting realm. We're relying too much on pointing only. Mm-hmm. We need to start seeing something more there to guarantee the, the hit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think you kind of brought us to the point, the kind of inflection point, if you would, where on the, the the title of the episode we're you know we're kind of revisiting was our marksmanship skills overrated right or defensive marksmanship or however it's phrased right but like the idea that for the longest time um, the way we aimed the gun was it was described as sight alignment and sight picture and so that was so if you are getting a a hard site alignment right like on your your sights are aligned and and that is the only method of aiming that you're using then it stands to reason that you can't have that and shoot very very fast like right because that's that's your limiting that you're limiting your speed by you requiring a perfect sight picture right like the line that's the sights have to be aligned so like I've seen this and I know you have like with, with shooters, especially who are very like they, they're very particular about getting the sights aligned and you're trying to get them to go faster, but they just can't do it because they're limiting themselves by, I must have a perfect sight picture and it must be perfectly in the center of the target. And I would say that if I could do this and take off their iron sights and just give them, just say, you have no sights. Now you're at three yards shoot the target and shoot it quickly. They would shoot quicker and they would hit the target because they would, you know, given that they have a a baseline skill, right? Like understanding of grip and and, and all that. But, but it's, it's because we've, I I think this is why, like, as we've progressed, I don't want to say progress because it sounds like, Oh, the archaic six years ago, but like, as we started to redefine things or, or kind of explain things better, we can start explaining like, yes, there are different site pictures that you can have and and that will determine how quickly you can shoot. 
Um, and there are different ways you can aim the gun and it, it, it's all dependent on, you know, how accurate you have to be, how, how quick, how close you are, how quick you have to shoot and all those factors. Um, and so now we can kind of break out of this. Well, yeah, if I need to have a perfect sight alignment, equal height, equal light at three yards. Yeah. I, I can only shoot so fast. I can't, I, I can't shoot as fast as if I can get a, just, you know, a silhouette or, or point shoot it even. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on, spot on. Yeah. So I, I think at this point it's relevant to uh, discuss another point that, you know, some amount of time was spent in the ep- episode eight podcast. And that had to do with what is the target size standard that we should be able to, uh, you know, be able to hit at, you know, at any given time. Right. And the, the the one that Jacob mentioned that he said was was given to him by his friend that is in federal law enforcement and and I believe has worked or does work for Fletzy, which is the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. Um, that uh, his recommendation was you should be able to at any given time hit a target the size of a basketball. What what's your thought on that, Matthew? Like this this uh, this basketball size target standard is that acceptable is it is that good or something else well i I, i'm gonna give like a non (laughs) it it may work it may be an acceptable hit zone for certain scenarios but like i I, it's kind of a sarcastic answer but like here here's the thing like if we're training to a specific zone that's the size of a basketball. If that's our standard and we're saying anything in there, you're good to go. Um, That may be the case for, I don't know. I can't even, I don't know how you would quantify this and say the majority of self-defense incidents. I don't even know how you, how you could quantify that, but let's just say for, for, for purposes, um, you know, that that's probably the size of the average person. Right. Um, I still don't think that that is what you should be training to. I don't think that that's the standard that we say, you know, Hey, um, shoot, you know, if, if you have a six inch spread or a five inch spread, um, at 10 yards, um, or five yards or eight yards, you're, 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 that's where you need to be, or that's where you should stay. I think we should always try to shrink that zone more and more because under stress and in real world application, uh, we're not going to perform like we do on the range, no matter how many jumping jacks or, you know, um, running you do to get your adrenaline up. It's just, it's not going to simulate exactly what's going to happen. And I think that we do ourselves a disservice if we say, well, the average body is this big and therefore we should train to this size. I, and, and, and I'll give it back to you, but I think part of this zone, the, the the generosity of the size of the zone, has more to do with qualification, getting getting officers qualified and keeping them on the streets, than it has to do with actual application to real world skill set. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, good thoughts. Uh, I, you know, I thought it's worthwhile to let's look up 
the standard, you know, let's just use the NBA basketball size of the standard, which is the same size I think that's used all the way from NBA down through high school um, for, for men's basketball. It's basically a 9.5 inch diameter ball. Okay. So what's interesting about that is it's not that much bigger than one particular target size standard um, that is used pretty commonly, which is an eight inch circle. For instance, all of your IDPA targets, the down zero zone is in the high center chest is an eight inch circle. So basketball size targets pretty close to that. It's, it's, it's obviously bigger, but, but not as like when I thought first thought basketball, I'm like, that seems kind of big, you know, like it seems like that's like 12 inches in diameter or whatever. It's actually uh, not quite that big. Um, but I'm like you. Uh, in my experience and having now trained and taken uh, several hundred hours worth of training since six years ago when Jacob and I did this episode and having talked with and interviewed a bunch of people and having within my circle of friends and associates and mentors really experienced people that I trust, I think our, our standard in terms of target size should be a little bit tighter than that. And one of the primary reasons is the, the question that uh, Connor on Facebook brought up just earlier in this episode where he asked about, well, what about when, it, when we're on the move? Yeah. Well, because if you are training to hit a 9.5 inch circle, when you're stationary, what do you think that looks like when you start introducing movement to it? We're off the, we're off the target. Okay. If I'm being honest, if I'm being frank and honest, we're off the target. Okay. But if maybe I work with, uh, maybe a, a five, a four or five or six inch, you know, size target or something to that effect, uh, you know, introduce some movement and well, we may be more in that eight inch realm at that point with movement as far as where most of our shots are going to land. Um, so <clears throat> obviously like we, we know that the size of the human heart is about the size of, of our fists in the high center, slightly left of sternum part of the chest. Uh, that's not that big. You know, as, as I'm looking at my hand, I'm pretty good at estimating sizes. It, it's probably three, three and a half inches wide and uh, close to five inches tall. It's about like a three by five card. Hmm. Interesting. One well-regarded instructor I know has been training for a long time and has, you know, shot a few people over a long career in the, in the LE world, uh, likes to use a three by five card placed vertically or in portrait orientation as his heart target zone. And that would be Dave Spaulding. So interesting how that is. Now, <clears throat> that's not to I mean, like in, in, an, in a perfect world, I'd want to put every round in that heart, in that three by five card. Is that going to happen? Probably not once movement is introduced, especially if there's any sort of distance that's uh, at play. And so, but can I get, half my shots in that zone or close to it. And the others I can keep within a six or seven inch, you know, zone. Yeah, I probably can. And those are all probably decent shots with some of them really good shots. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, 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 frankly, I, I like for just basic practical training and shooting, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, USPSA A zone, I don't think it's that bad. It's a little on the tall side. However, because it is oriented in a more vertical fashion, 
I will still take shots that are a little bit low, but they're generally centered. There's there's a good chance that those may hit the lower parts of that uh, aortic uh, uh, you know vessel that that runs down the center or center line of our body. Um, we may even penetrate through and hit the spine, you know. So, but as I've uh, trained and, and given this some thought and practiced and things, here's what I think, Matthew. I, I believe that if we can, on demand, keep our rounds generally within the black area of a B8 NRA B8 target, which is 5.54 inches in diameter. I think that's pretty good standard for, for most applications and for most, most people. When I want to hold myself to a little bit tighter standard, I like to try to keep everything within the uh, 10 ring. Because uh, the, the 9 ring is the black zone, that, and it's 5.5 inches. The 10 ring is 3.36 inches in diameter. Okay, so it's a little, you know, not quite half. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than half of a uh, of the nine ring, um, and that's a pretty tight standard. But if I practice to that, then when the real thing happens, it's easier, right? If things are a little bit more forgiving than the, than what my my training standard is, then then hopefully. I can get the job done with relative ease. And that's not an uncommon thing, even in performance sports where you look at high performance athletes and you also look at high performance shooters. Even I'm talking like your, your Nils Johnson's and your um, JJ Rakazas and, and so forth of the world. Like when they're preparing for big matches, they often shrink up like JJ just posted a video the other day. Every target was significantly reduced size, either had, black hardcover across it uh, or no shoot or whatever. And he only had small areas to work with on these targets. And like, he's getting ready for upcoming match, right? So he's practicing something that's probably significantly harder than what he's going to see in the match. Then when he gets to the match, well, I could do this. This is not that bad, right? Um, I would say the same is likely true in a real world defensive situation where if we train to a higher standard it makes the actual thing more of a walk in the park now i'm not saying i don't mean to like um oversell you know the ease of you know dealing with a deadly threat but um but it's simply it's, it's known as overload training so you push yourself beyond what the expected performance requirement is and so you're overloading that and then the real thing is much easier so in the episode with jacob there was kind of this added this idea presented of i want to you know like if i can put everything in the size of a back of the basketball and spread it all around through there that's probably better than if i could stack everything in this you know five let's say even a five inch circle and I would say I strongly disagree with that attitude or that line of thought based on the last six years of learning and experience and, and growth that, that I've personally experienced and analyzing, you know, different things and talking to people that I trust that have had to actually had to shoot people. So um, anyway, there, there's, there's my take as far as what is the acceptable target size? Uh, Common Clay on, on YouTube saying three by five card. Yeah. I got some. Yeah, those those are great targets to use. You don't have B8s, so use a three by five card. 
Absolutely. I, I still use three by five cards all the time. And in fact, in my shooting standards, my pistol intelligence uh, uh, shooting standards, a three by five card is used as one of the uh, targets for the standards in that, um, for one of the drills in the standards. Uh, I think it's a very relevant target size. Someone else asked at what distance it does. It doesn't really matter. Like the human heart's the same size, no matter what distance I got to shoot them from. Right. So I need to be able to hit that at, you know, three yards or 10 yards or 20 yards. And I know some people are like, well, you know, how, how is it justified if I'm shooting somebody at 25 yards away? Well, are they shooting at you? Cause I promise you they're a threat at 25 yards if they're shooting at you. <laughs> and, and, and that's, I, I think you hit on a, a good point there is that sure. If we train, let, let, let's say we train to the standard of a nine inch circle, right? Then if if that's all we're going to train to, um, then that limits our skill set, right? Like we are limited because we have to know how accurate we can shoot at different yards, right? In, in different distances and under, you know, how quickly we can shoot and, and things like that. So if we say I'm I'm fine with an, a nine inch circle um, and being able to hit that at seven yards and that's good because that's the general body size, blah, 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 whatever, you know, you use to, to get to that, that certain metric. Um, Then if I am forced or in a scenario or incident that is outside of that, where I need more accuracy or I need to shoot further and I don't have those skills, well, then I, I just, I either don't take the shot and, and and I can't respond to it, or I take the shot, and I'm less likely to make a good hit and more likely to injure someone else. So, like, sure, you can train to whatever standard you want. You're just limiting your ability to perform in a wide variety of scenarios. And hope, I mean, and 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 you know, because most of the people that are listening, if 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 I said, hey even if you never shot a gun, I put a gun in your hand and you're at three yards and said, you know, crank off rounds, you, you could hit the target, a human sized target. Right. So you have like that, but so, so you could, you could perform fairly well in that, in that scenario, right. You could probably, you may be able to win that scenario, but as we put you into different scenarios, you may not perform well. So that's why I think we need to train at a higher standard so that we can, be, uh, you know, we can excel or we can prevail or do well in a wide variety of scenarios. Yeah. Um, I think we've done other episodes with respect to like what, at least I know we've touched on what are maybe some of the training standards that are good to, well, even heck the last episode you and I did together where we referenced John Hearns, Hmm. um, Oh, I can never. It's such a fancy, you know, combination of words. I can't ever remember what it's called. But the, his chart, talk, you know, where he's kind of comparing these different uh, drills or shooting tests, and sort of like where they rate on this spectrum of of skill and how subconscious or automatic uh, a person has to be to accomplish that drill at that time standard. And uh, you know, so we've 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 talked about such things in in relatively relatively even recent history, as far as what some of those standards uh, could or should be. Uh, I do think that uh, training uh, to a time standard and training to an accuracy standard all the time is, uh, or you know, on a regular basis, is an important thing to do. Uh, the time standard forces us to to do things 
in a quick manner right now, urgent manner. Um, and that is relevant in the real world. It also introduces an element of at least, you know, artificial or simulated stress makes it seem a little bit more critical to be able, cause you're not just concerned with accurate hits, but also getting done within a certain amount of time or at least as fast as you can. Um, having a, a reasonable accuracy standard, I think is important. Here's the beauty though. Here's the other thing. I think that, uh, that we need to work on accuracy or marksmanship and we need to work on speed sometimes separately. Okay. Because the way I get better at accurate shooting is I work on accurate shooting and the way I get faster in my gun handling and my, my manipulations, my drawing and so forth is by working on it at speed and pushing also trying to overload train those things as well. Okay. And then we want to, regularly put together the two and combine them and we're looking for that that balance of where it's accurate enough and also as fast or as soon as we can what i wanted to kind of wrap up with uh, matthew is is touching on um oh shoot i just lost my train of thought um just talking about uh, the accuracy and the speed piece of this oh um actually defining I think because we, we maybe should have done this earlier on in the episode, what marksmanship actually is or what we think some of the key skills are that, you know, help define marksmanship and marksmanship defined, I think is, is, is just, is being able to uh, reliably and consistently place accurate shots on, on a particular target, whatever that target asks us, asks us for. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's required to be able to do that in one of the one of the more difficult things I think for a lot of shooters to master is the ability to hold the gun still while they're shooting, while they're pressing the trigger. Uh, holding the gun, so hold, the, the concept of hold is different than aim. Aim is simply visually confirming my where my gun is in relation to an intended target. Hold is defined as my ability to hold it on a particular aimed point and keep it there until the shot is fired, until the bullet has left the the barrel. And Rob Latham does a great job of explaining that, that and the distinction between the two, aiming and holding. They're both part of marksmanship. And holding is, I think most people get pretty decent at aiming, but they struggle in a big way with holding the gun still and not allowing it to move while they manipulate the trigger or do other things. Mm-hmm. And so how I would define like the critical skills of marksmanship is I actually almost start with the idea or the concept of hold or holding the gun steady all throughout the firing sequence. To do that, we obviously talk about things like grip. Okay, Grip's important. Gripping properly is important. Gripping the right way is conducive to being able to achieve a good hold on the gun and holding it steady. Okay. Um, Stance is also relevant or at least how we hold ourselves. Um, I'm more focused on, you know, where's my weight distribution? Am I balanced? Am I stable? As opposed to like stand this one particular way. Right. But as long as we have a balanced, stable stance, then that permits the grip to perform a solid, firm, hold once we've got that in place then we can aim the gun on target 
And when we see an acceptable site picture, whatever that is, based on the relative target difficulty or size that's required for the shot, then I send the shot. And in my world, that is, at least in the context of shooting a handgun, particularly defensive handgun, that is the essence of marksmanship. Like that, is, like I don't really go much more beyond that. We're not going to talk about you know breath control and things like that. Um, not really relevant. If I was shooting a, a rifle, you know, at a thousand yards, and then you know that's a, that's a thing. But for for this, some kind of stable, balanced stance, a solid grip that permits a solid hold that I and that that allows me to hold the gun still until the the bullet leaves the barrel and then when i have visual confirmation of sights no more no less hit the trigger that's how i would define marksmanship yeah and and i'm glad you you hit that because you know that was that was the the title right like of the other one marksmanship skills overrated and and and, and it does start start to you know real or or revolve around what are marksmanship skills like you have to define that right and so um if we're going to say they're not necessary they are we got to define what they are and i think um it depends it's certainly you know we can't be teaching rifle marksmanship skills and applying them to a defensive pistol um i mean like that's the problem that's why we get follow-through being taught in defensive pistol classes like because they're teaching you know clearly you don't have three points of contact when you're shooting a pistol right you don't have a butt stock and stock weld and all these right so like um so we have to like start defining the terms and and understand what applies and what doesn't and what in the hierarchy of things what is what has more impact on a successful outcome yeah yep yep awesome Good stuff, my man. Um, obviously, we need to wrap this up. So I, I think my final parting words would be this. Are marksmanship skills overrated? And I would answer by saying no. I think that uh, to like we have to be able to demonstrate a modicum, some sort of base foundational level of marksmanship before it makes sense to do anything else. Why are we doing anything at speed if I cannot, on demand, as desired, put around in an attended place on target. Like I have to be able to do that. Now the beauty is uh, like, at least how I teach things, I'm able to progress students pretty quickly down that path of let's first learn how we hit, you know, how we do marksmanship. And then now let's start applying that at speed and we move into that pretty fast, but you kind of need to be able to have marksmanship before you try doing it at speed. And I'm not saying that that goes back to the question we answered asked at the beginning and says that the first part is more important than the second part. Just saying that it's more of a sequential ordering of things. They're both super important. They both need to exist in, in the defensive context. But I do believe that one kind of needs to come before the other. So that's kind of where I think I'd leave it for today's discussion on our marksmanship skills overrated. Great job. Perfect. Can't add anything to that, dude. Why, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We do need to wrap it up, but first, uh, do we have a weekly uh, giveaway winner to announce? Yes, we do. And we're giving away, it looks like, a Ready Up Gear handgun cleaning kit. I got one I have here. Oh, I got mine right here. We're going to give somebody, a lucky winner, a handgun cleaning kit from Ready Up Gear. 
Next week, FYI, we're giving away a free copy of the Legal Boundaries by State uh, book, which is a great legal reference for American uh, gun owners, concealed carriers, especially if you travel from state to state. So who is our lucky winner this week of the handgun cleaning kit? Yeah, the lucky winner. He only entered his first name, um, Eldred. Eldred. There may be more than one Eldred out there, but Eldred, one of you. It's not a common name. And I imagine we have his email address, so I imagine he yes. has been contacted. <laughs> yes, he has. So, Eldred, we hope that you enjoy your Ready Up Gear handgun cleaning kit. Folks, don't forget to sign up for our weekly giveaway for the podcast at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. We hope to see you back here next time. We'll actually be recording the second episode of the week tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. It'll be, a good, it'll be a good one. I believe it'll be me and Matthew again as well. So, until then... A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.